Have we come to the end? Or maybe this is the beginning. Maybe because you listen to this, maybe I don't know you yet, and you're going to be a part of my future. You're going to be one of those amazing pivot points. Maybe you're in the present right now. We know each other. But maybe we haven't had the right chemistry yet to really achieve what we can do. It is my hope that through this story, through this podcast, I can find, I can inspire, I can connect with people on a level that is going to make them the greatest version of themselves. Now, is that because I'm a great example of what not to do? In some ways, yes. Or is that because maybe they understand that perseverance is so very important? Maybe it is the only trait that you actually need is to not stop, is to not quit, is to keep going. Just put one foot in front of the other one. So I'm going to try to bring us home. I'm going to bring us to this moment right now, the moment that I am sitting in right now, because it's all been reflection and everything after the moment that we end on today is going to be the future. Think about that. Without further ado, here is part 10 of The Homeless Millionaire. So needless to say, Harry Potter kind of has a special place in my heart because it was our entertainment. It was, it was the thing that got our mind off of reality for that night. And even though we had those, those space heaters, we were so cold. But we had one another. And you know what? Yes, even though we wanted the entertainment, we wanted to stay up, we wanted to decompress. We were so tired from fighting the, the water monster <laughs> all day. I mean, we probably fell asleep halfway through the first movie. We were dog tired. And you know what? When we got up the next day, we put one foot in front of the other and we persevered and we we were running to Home Depot and we were getting the parts for the plumbers and we were getting the parts for my father and we were getting buckets and we were getting all of the the different towels and the different I mean we had big moving blankets that cuz we had just moved in that we were trying to like soak up the water and we were doing this and and I remember very very clearly everyone would strategically position themselves around the whole house and we'd go okay we're getting ready to turn on the water again and what we were doing was we were listening to, okay, what, what light socket is it going to come out of now? What, what wall is it going to come gushing out of? What, what outlet is going to pop this time? And, and I remember so many times over the next three or four days that we were battling this. I mean, these are long days. And I remember so many times we'd turn on the water and we wouldn't hear anything. And we wouldn't hear anything. And we wouldn't hear anything. And we'd think we had it fixed. And then all of a sudden water would just come bursting out of somewhere and we're going, oh my God, because then it's a fire drill. Everyone's running all of the blankets and all of the towels and the buckets and the different this and that to try to salvage if it's going on the wood floor, if it's coming out of this, that, or the other. We, we, every, everyone, everything is, is devoted to trying to save things and trying to get water away from things and soak up water. And, and it was just so just 
I mean, to this day, we still have a fear of water. If I hear someone flush a toilet upstairs and I just hear kind of a little water trickle in the wall or something going through the drainage pipes, I'm telling you, it freaks me out. It, to this day, it freaks me out. Anytime I hear water like that, I think everyone in the house is like that. And so we continue this drill every day for four days. And then the plumber says, hey, tomorrow's Thanksgiving. I, I'm not going to be able to come. I was really, I was putting all this time in so that hopefully we would be able to have you be able to spend Thanksgiving in your house, your very first house, but it's just not going to happen. I'm sorry. And so he leaves for the day and we're just, we're just all kind of sitting down because it's been such a battle for so long. And I get a call from my mom. And my mom says, go to Walmart and buy as many jugs of water as you can. And I said, no, <laughs> I'm done with water. I don't care if I ever see water again in my life. And she says, I just bought Thanksgiving dinner. I'm on my way down from Wyoming. I'm going to need water to cook with, wash my hands, and I need you to buy as many gallons as you can because I'm going to come down there and I'm going to cook you Thanksgiving dinner because you are going to spend Thanksgiving dinner at your new house. And I, re I remember just getting choked up because my mom knew how important it was to me. She knew how excited I was. And I went to Walmart, I cleared them out of every, whether it was distilled water, or artisan water, or drinking water. I got the five gallon jugs. I got so much water. And my mom showed up and she cooked Thanksgiving dinner. And even though that was one of the craziest times of my life, that might be my favorite Thanksgiving dinner. Because that Thanksgiving dinner, it, it shows perseverance. It shows what this group of people are capable of. And that wasn't just my family. That's not just my mom doing. Everyone rallied to get Thanksgiving dinner. And, and I'm not talking about like this was just kind of thing. This is in the movies, like the crazy Thanksgiving dinner with like all the stuffing and the yams and, and, and sweet potatoes and apple pie, everything. I mean, my mom went all out because she said, you know what? My family needs me. I am uh, the matriarch of a, of a beautiful, wonderful family, and I am going to show you guys that perseverance lives in every corner of everyone you know, and I've got your back. And we had Thanksgiving dinner, and it was amazing. Amazing. And you know, it, at that moment, in that day, we finally, we let go. We just experienced one another. We were just in that moment. We just, we finally fully decompressed. We weren't talking about all the crazy crap we were about to go through tomorrow. We just let go and we loved and we were present in that moment. We weren't scared of the future and it was amazing. But you want to know what's not amazing? And you know what? If you get kind of grossed out, now would be the time to maybe fast forward by one minute. Because like I said, 
Nothing has worked yet in the house as far as running water. So everyone's using this one porta potty. I'm telling you right now, when you got five people, you got my dad, you got my mom, you've got the plumbers. In five days, six days, while we're fighting all of these battles, the amount of stuff people can produce in a porta potty is pretty astonishing. And you got to realize in the middle of the night, when number two calls and it's negative degrees outside, well, you got to put on, you got to bundle up, and you got to go handle business outside. But the problem is, is it gets full to where it's, it's not a situation where you can necessarily sit down anymore, if you know what I mean. So the girls and the guys when number two needed to happen, we would have to drive five miles away to a truck stop to use the restroom. And something, I, I, I want to say, I know this sounds gross, but I'm telling you, there's a different kind of bond that happens with a group of people that are, are looking down using the restroom. And it's like, hmm, we made all of that. All of that is us. That's disgusting. Made me not even want to go near the porta potty. But we we endured. We did. And two days after Thanksgiving, we finally got running water. It finally worked. There was no leaks. There's nothing exploding. There's nothing happening. I mean, house still looks like Swiss cheese, and we need to call some amazing drywall people. But we have we could flush a toilet. I mean, that's what I'm getting down to. I mean. We take the the little things in life for granted, and I don't think that people necessarily understand how good we really do have it when we have it. And that moment made me so grateful for just being able to flush a toilet. Middle of the night, nature calls, being able to go into a bathroom and flush a toilet. There's a lot of people on the earth that don't have that. I know what it's like to be thankful for that, and I only had to endure it for a week, eight days. Just be aware of how thankful you should be and choose to be thankful. So we get running water, everything's starting to happen. But again, this was a foreclosed house. So there's no outlets in at least half of the places there should be. And we've blown up all the other ones that should work because water is coming out of them. And there's no fixtures, there's no lights, there's no switches. And so we get really good at electrical work really fast. And I mean, Zach specifically, Zach Markle, probably, I'll bet you he wired 400 outlets. I mean, it was like three all day long worth of work, three days. And I'm telling you, it. It's amazing what you go through when you are trying to just get a place to be able to, you know, plug a radio in. Wiring, wiring up the lights, the fixtures, uh, trying to figure out, okay, what, what was going on in this house? How is it a three-way switch? Is it a two-way switch? Or what do we need GFIs on? What, like all of these things, we didn't know. I mean, thank God for my dad because he was showing us. He was saying, all right, this is what you're going to have to do. This is what you're going to have to do. And then we'd go through and we'd really get it done. And it's a good thing too because I get the financing company call me. They say, all right, hey, we need to get an appraisal on the house. And I said, uh, when, <laughs> when, uh, when are you going to be here? He says, oh, you know, I'm probably going to be there about four days. 
and I'm looking around, and my house looks like Swiss cheese. Because think about it, you got to punch a hole every single time into the wall so you can find the pipe that's bursted. And then if you miss by another foot or whatever, you have to punch a, a hole after you look into the wall and see where it is. So my house li literally looks like Swiss cheese. We have very few fixtures. We have almost no outlets. And this guy wants to come and appraise the house to make sure that the financing company gave the money to the right people. And it's the final step in the process. Fire drill number 739 in my life. So we're running around and we're trying to get it done. And you know what? We did. We rallied as a team. And we're getting really good at this by now. It's second nature. Our chemistry is to get stronger when you challenge us. Now, you know, that's a team I'm proud to be a part of. And we rallied and we got the fixtures right. We got the ceiling fans hung. Because when these people left the house, I mean, they took everything. Everything. They took toilets. Like, who takes a toilet? Come on, man. We had to install toilets. We had to install sinks. We had to install light switches. We had to the outlets, the ceiling fans, light bulbs, the sconces, everything. We had to figure all that stuff out. We had to install the, the range. We had to install a hood. We got, had to go get a fridge. You know, the, the finer things in life. Just being able to keep food cold. But he shows up and he goes through the house. He says, man, this was a great buy. This house looks beautiful. This house looks great. And we were all so proud in that moment. Because... We came through, and there's no way we could have done it if we were not this specific team. And I'm so proud of th all these moments. But again, we persevered. There's so many times where any normal or sane or rational person would have given up. We don't know how to do that. So now all of our focus gets shifted onto the studio because we need to get this this place making some money so that we can pay some bills. And so we come up with the idea. We got to do a big grand opening. We got to have everybody come. We've got to have, we got to make a statement. Well, you know what? 25,000 square feet is a lot of place, is a lot of stuff to come up with. I think at this point, because we were probably one suite down, we might have been only 20,000 square feet, but that's still just so much to get ready. So in Studio A, which was immersive, we build this beautiful wall. My dad comes in, builds this wall, um, and I'm telling you, it was great. It was great. We, we still had to add all of the, the acoustics and stuff like that, but the wall was built and we were, we were getting ready to fire off uh, Studio A, but we couldn't get it done quite in time for the grand opening. But I mean, we had three sheets of drywall on each side and we had green glue and um, it, it's essentially two different walls because they have to be decoupled from one another. So there's one side, there's an air gap, and then there's another wall. Um, so, I mean, there's a tremendous amount of wood and materials and time and effort and energy that have gone into this. I mean, it was probably six weeks worth of just straight work because it is so much for us to take on. And so we don't quite get it done in time for the grand opening. So instead of finishing the drywall, we just paint it black because you know what? We're going to cover it with acoustic stuff anyway. And it's only accounting for probably about, ah, 
20% of our square footage. So, I mean, we've got a lot of other things to get ready. We have our event center. We've got what we now call our creative cafe, which we actually had a bar in. And uh, it was a completely open bar. Anyone who showed up, we gave free studio time. Uh, we had bands playing. We had live painting. We had videographers running around. I mean, we did this party upright. But the thing is, we're only so many people and we only have so much money. So, we're just trying to put all this work in and trying to put all this work in and trying to put all this work in and and we just cannot hit this deadline. We cannot do it. So I'll tell you, I pride myself on being the person who can throw the Hail Mary pass and it always gets caught. I can pull out some some the big rabbit out of the hat and I can I can do some pretty amazing things. But it's like four o'clock in the morning. The day before, well, I guess technically the day of our grand opening. And I'm going, we're not going to make this deadline. We can't do this. And I hate admitting defeat. And then I have someone come in because we've been working inside all day and working and working and working and working. Someone comes in, they say, hey, uh, have you looked outside? I said, no, I haven't been outside in a long time. We look outside and there's two feet of snow on the ground. And you know what? I just, sometimes you gotta let God pull the rabbit out of the hat for you. Sometimes you gotta let him be the maverick and maybe let him just give you a little bit of a nod saying, hey, you know what? I got you. And so we had real cause to delay the grand opening by one day. And that's all we needed because we put up everything we needed. We got the bartenders in. We got the, literally everything. Party went off perfectly. Zero things went wrong. It was incredible. But we needed that extra day. We did. And that's what I say. Sometimes if you persevere, the universe is going to give back to you. It's going to say, oh, all right, you know, I, I saw you putting in the work. I got you. I'll give you an extra day. You know, just... Keep moving forward. And that's what we did. So we're feeling pretty good because the turnout is great. We had over 400 people show up. 400 people show up for the grand opening of a studio. That doesn't happen. We did that. We made that happen. So we're feeling, we're feeling pretty good. Pretty good about ourselves. Super good about ourselves. And... Uh, at this moment, we finally get the last insurance check to, to finalize some of the income loss and finalize some of the, the different things that uh, we had lost in that, that whole ordeal. And I look at my team, I say, hey, you know what, we have, we've worked so hard and we've put everything into this. We haven't taken a day off for, I mean, we, we probably couldn't even tell you. So I surprise them and I say, hey guys, tomorrow morning, and this was probably two days after the grand opening. I say, tomorrow morning, I'm taking all of you to Vegas. We're going to fly to Vegas for three days, and we're just going to have fun. I have a limo pick us up and everything. And, and I actually used to work in Vegas. I had my own show in Vegas. So I did a lot of really cool things there. So I know a lot of people. So if you're thinking, oh, well, you got a little bit of money. You blew it all. No, no, no. We, I'll bet you we spent on three days for five people in Vegas, we spent less than $2,000, which is not that bad if you think about it, because we had a lot of fun and we ate well and we might have 
had a couple alcoholic, maybe a couple adult beverages, as my father would say. We had a great time. We decompressed. I mean, nothing went wrong. Again, I'm just, hey, it's just going all right. We've had like a good solid week of nothing. Like life has not dropped a bunch of crap on our door. This, maybe it's a turning point, right? Maybe things are going the right direction. So we get back. We go into the studio and we're we're pumped. And then, all right. What you know, knocks in my stories are never a good thing, right? Until this time, it was an even worse thing. <laughs> we had the city inspector at our door because the person who was the uh, tenant right next to us in the same building said. These guys are doing work themselves, and they're not permitted, so they called the city on us. And you know what? That was right, because we got a quote for this wall, and the cheapest way we could get this wall accomplished was $84,000. So we were like, okay, well, we don't have that, so we're just going to build it ourselves. And so that was the wrong thing to do. Uh, the city actually really frowns on that, you know? So we find out that we've inherited a couple problems because the demolition that was done in the studio that we were rebuilding was unpermitted. So that means the previous tenants, when they were taking everything out, they never got a permit to take out a giant wall that was 16 feet tall and all the glass and all the doors and cut the electrical and do everything that they did. So we basically have a hazard zone in the middle of a school that we're trying to build and the county is coming after us and shutting us down. So I go to the landlord and I say, hey, you got to help me out with this. They said, well, you know what? You walked the space and, and you rented it as is. So technically, this is your problem. So here we go again. I got another battle to fight. So we go and hire a contractor company. Um, I don't know if that's what you call them, but we hire a contractor. And uh, and they come in, they get a permit, they do all this stuff, they finish the wall, and uh, they do all of the, everything that we think that we need to do, and we get this wall completed, built, ready to go. We're going to launch Studio A. This is going to be great. So then we get the inspector to come in. And he says, hey, you guys, uh, you guys built this wall out of, out of two by fours. I said, mm-hmm. Yeah, it needs to be non-com, which is non-combustible. And uh, it needs to be a steel frame. So I'm going to need you to tear this, uh, this wall out. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, this, this whole thing needs to be demoed. And then uh, our contractor, of course, looks at us and he says, hey, we could demo that for you for uh, $4,000. And I said, put a dumpster outside. And me and my team will have this thing in the dumpster by morning and build me a wall that works. Now, we're still fighting the wall war today. I feel like I feel like I'm battling Trump with this wall. But do I want it built? Do I not want it built? I don't know. Right now, it's 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 as hard as whatever Trump is trying to do on the Mexican border. That's how I feel about this, because it's been a giant pain in my butt since I've gotten this building. Fighting with Boulder, fighting with people calling, fighting with us doing it, the contractor. And we, we had one contractor try to do it, and he, he couldn't do it, didn't know how to build sound stuff. And then we had another one step in, and then he failed to do it. And so we're doing our best. We're still fighting that fight today. But this is not something—I mean, we expended a lot of time, energy, money, effort on this, and then having the city come after you. Now, I've since made peace with the city, and we're cohabitating well. I mean, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an interesting character to be in Boulder, I'll tell you that. But I'm here nonetheless. 
And you know what? I've I've really grown to love this place. I love Boulder. Actually, it's incredible. It's beautiful. It's got a lot of technology with nature, which doesn't happen in very many places. It's got a special kind of situation going on up here. So I'm excited. I'm excited. And I'm just going to keep putting one foot in front of the other. I'm going to keep persevering. And you know what? I hope that I can have that studio done for you as soon as possible. And I can promise you it's going to be done as soon as possible. And through this story, you've probably figured out by now, I will do whatever it takes. I persevere like no other. So it's going to get done, but this was not the thing we needed two years ago when we had just gotten into this. And I mean, this is maybe three, four months into us having it, but we don't have any real clients, but we have started to pick up some of the students and we've been finishing off the curriculum and we're starting to get this crazy thing called cash flow. Not much, not yet, but it's starting and you can feel something great is happening because students are starting to call. We're starting this crazy thing called Facebook advertising. and We're taking pictures and we're starting to do all of these things that are really garnering a difference. So again, we can feel ourselves picking up steam, picking up steam. Things are going great. And we realize, hey, we've got a decent amount of momentum on this KMG life thing. We should probably trademark it. And so we embark on this journey to find a lawyer, which is actually a pretty difficult process if you've never done it because we actually went through a whole ordeal having to basically send an application to see if a lawyer even wanted to talk to us. And uh, we ended up not even taking that meeting. We had another one set up to where they asked us a bunch of qualifying questions, which we didn't really know if we were a good fit for them. And we had another guy named Rob Keating. Rob Keating said, hey, come on down. I'd love to talk with you. He had a great energy. And uh, he spells it out for us, takes the first hour for free, free consultation. That's actually my favorite price on things is free. And uh, we hit it off. We find out he's a musician. He's actually a hell of a musician. He's a guitar player, singer, songwriter. And he falls in love with our project. He said, man, I've actually been wanting to do something so similar to what you guys are doing right now. If I could be a part of it, I would love to be a part of it. And I'm going, this is our guy. Because people who care about things and people who can put a piece of themselves into what they do, I mean, you can't beat them. And so if he really feels what we're trying to do, I mean, this is our guy. And in full disclosure, he becomes one of my best friends. He fights for us and our company, is a half mentor, is a is a business partner, is a, I mean, he's just he's awesome. He is an epic human and he's an even better friend. I mean, I love him. It's probably obvious at this point, but I'm telling you, he's great. He's one of those just he's a diamond in the rough. I'm telling you. He's Aladdin. <laughs> um we, we, we kick it off and then, so we have this meeting and he starts on our trademark. Everything's moving forward, right? This is, when, when everything feels good, especially in this story, what, what's about to happen? Come on. <laughs> so we get an email and it's, it's, it's from the Department of Occupational Schools or the Division of Occupational Schools of Colorado. And uh, it says, looks like you guys are a school trying to operate in Colorado. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna need you to come talk to us about a couple things. We need we we need you to get approved and regulated. Um, what's that mean? All right, so we get a pretty th- not not necessarily a, a threatening letter, but it's like if you don't do something about this, uh, we're gonna be a problem. You know that kind of thing where they like hand you the thing, they smile but they wink, and you're like, well, I'm not really sure what that wink meant. Um, so we get this email, we talk to them. 
So we go back and talk to Rob and we say, hey, what's going on with this? We, we actually kind of need some more legal help. So he does all this research. He finds out what we need to do. He finds out about the application. He finds out the catalog we need to make, the handbook we need to make, the, the way you do attendance, the way you do it, everything about a school. And I mean, we had done some of those things, but we didn't know how regulated this industry was. If, if you ever want to do one of the hardest things in your entire life, uh, go start a school. I'm going to tell you that right now. So he gives us the packet. Hey, you got to have all this stuff done. Uh, you got to have like $7,000 or something for the application and the the fees and the filing fees and the catalog and the this, that, and the other. And oh, by the way, we need to have all of the employees registered. You have to pay for background checks. Um, also, you have to have registered agents on the people who can talk to the people about whether or not they want to go to school. And so we're going, oh, man. Uh, how how long do we have to do this? You know what I mean? Because, I mean, just to put this in perspective, it's probably the beginning of summer or right before the beginning of summer. And so they say the last time that you can do it this year is in December. I think it was December 2nd. And uh, so we had to have everything ready. So we're like, okay, well, we have like six months, which thank God, because it's a very expensive process and we needed cash flow. We needed to get some students in. We needed to do this. But since we were abiding by their laws and we were in great communication, going back and forth, we could continue to operate. They gave us, they gave us at least that much leeway. So we go through all of the due diligence. We start doing research. We start working with Rob. We start building something that is going to become the KMG Academy. And we're, we're pretty, we're actually pretty excited about the whole process. And in this whole process, it, 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 right when summer started, my nephew came down. My nephew is, his name is Sallow, Sallow Kimball. And uh, his, his mom hits me up. She says, hey, you know what? My, uh, my son's being kind of a little turd. Uh, he's always kind of respected you. And I was just wondering if I could send him up to uh, your house for a little bit of the summer, maybe you could straighten him out. I said, you know what? I could probably do that. And, and you know, in my house, you're not allowed to, to wake up past 8 a.m., all right? And so I tell him this. I say, hey, you know what? You got to be sitting on that couch when I come out, and uh, we got to be ready for our day. We got to go conquer this day, all right, buddy? And he goes, yeah, I got you. Let's do this, man. And uh, so I wake up, and uh, it's probably 7.55, so I sit on the couch, and uh, 8, 8 a.m. rolls around. He doesn't, he doesn't come down. And then 9. And then 10. And then 11. I, I wasn't sitting there the whole time. I'm doing stuff and getting things. I think it was a Saturday or something. He comes out of bed at noon. It was probably just shy of noon. And uh, he sits down and uh, he says, man, you got, any, uh, you got any cereal? I'm really hungry. And I said, um, why? What? What? Number one, why are you up so late? And he goes, oh, yeah, sorry. My alarm didn't go off. I said, okay, well, you know what? Before you eat, here's what I'm going to need you to do. I'm going to need you to go outside and I'm going to need you to mow the lawn because you need to understand there's consequences for your actions, number one. Number two, if I have a rule that means you cannot be out of bed past 8 a.m., what are you doing getting out of bed at noon? He said, oh, yeah, sorry about that. I said, well, you got to go mow the lawn because you got to make this up to me and this is just the way this is, man. He goes, you know what? I didn't come up here to do yard work. I came up here to learn from you. And I said, all right, let me, let me just break it down for you, little man. Let's, let's do this real quick. Uh, you don't have to mow my lawn. 
For the next three days, I, I want to take you to Elitch's. I want to I want to go out and hang out on the lake. I want to go grab some food, and I want to go watch movies. And I'm going to be your uncle, and we're just going to go have fun the whole time. Sound good? And he goes, yeah, let's do that. I said, I also want to I want to go buy you some video games. Let's let's get all this stuff done right now. And he goes, this one I'm talking about. I said, okay. And then after those three days, you're going home. You're going back to Laramie, Wyoming. Because if you want me to just be your uncle, that's fine. We could be friends. I actually love you. I think you are a great little kid. But if you're going to disrespect me in my house and you want me to still teach you and give you some of the things that I have learned, I need to show you discipline and you need to respect this process. You need to respect this house and you need to respect who's in this house. So you have a choice. You can either go mow that lawn or we can, we can freaking go to the mall right now. But if you mow that lawn, I'll keep teaching you. I'll take you on meetings with me. I'll, I'll put you in, in our school. I'll help you out on so many different levels. I'll invest in you, but I need you to want to invest in you. And right now to show me that you are sorry and that you can and do care about what I can provide for you, you're going to need to do this. So what is your decision? He goes, all right, I'm going to go mow the lawn. Now, in hindsight, I didn't realize how bad this was because I have a, I have a two acre lawn and I'll bet you the grass was at least two feet high. <laughs> so he comes in about three hours later. I think he's done. He's, he's done with uh, 15% of it. So I fix him some food and, and do that. And he's kind of sitting there and everything. He's like, hey, you want to watch something? I said, don't you, don't you have a lawn to mow? And he goes, are you really going to make me finish that? Now, I am not kidding you. He went until almost midnight. So that's 12 hours of mowing a lawn. And because it was an electric mower, I mean, it really struggled and it'd take a long time for the batteries to charge up. And he's constantly switching out batteries. And But that day I showed him, I said, look, finish what you start and you cannot win unless you finish. And showing him that small lesson that day, I think is going to stay with him for the rest of his life because that day he changed. Now, the other really fun story in this chapter of our life, my uh, mentoring Sallow, I think is important to say is because he wouldn't say I love you to anybody. And there was one time at a mall, I gave him a hug. I said, man, I love you, buddy. He goes, "Mm mm-hmm. I said, I love you. And he goes, yeah. And, And keep in mind, I'm hugging him at this moment. And I say, I love you, buddy. And he goes, yeah. Yeah, I heard you. So I say, okay, well, I'm not going to let go until you at least say, I love you too, uncle. Because in this family, when someone says, I love you, you say, I love you too. Do you not love me? He says, not necessarily. I said, okay, well, I love you, buddy. He goes, yeah. Mm -hmm." I said, and we're in the middle of a mall now. He's a really shy kid. And so I said, I love you, buddy. Uh Uh-huh. I love you, buddy. Um... I, and he goes, I love you too. I said, okay, from now on, if you don't say I love you back, I'm just going to get louder and louder and louder because I want the world to know how much I love you. I want you to know that. I'm going to keep loving you until you're going to not be ashamed to love me back because this family knows how to love. That's something that I cannot take away from my family because we love and we love big. 
Now, another thing that happens in this chapter of my life is I have another family member enter the picture because he is losing his business, is getting evicted, and uh, just got his car repossessed. Sounds kind of familiar, so I'm like, I totally know what you're going through. I got your back because I'm excited to be on, like, I'm in a little better position. I'm excited to be able to help somebody out. So I take him in. I say, you can live with me. We can do this. I'll, I'll have you be part of my, my team. I give him my Escalade, 2016 Escalade. And to be honest with you, it's, it's not like I was trying to ball out of control. I was actually downsizing. So I was dumb enough to buy a BMW i8, $150,000 sports car. Again, downsizing, trying to get out of that thing. So finally got my credit to a place to where I could refinance and do that. And I was also getting out of a truck. So I went from an I-8 and a brand new truck into just the Escalade, which basically took my payment way, way, way down. But it was the only thing expensive enough to carry the negative equity. So I said, you know what? I don't even like driving this thing. And at, at the time I had bought a, uh, STI, a Subaru STI. That's a lot more my style. I like the rally cars. So I bought that. I like driving that around. I said, bro, you don't have a car. Take this brand new car. You can have it, bro. And I said, the only thing that I, I, I expect you to do is, I mean, obviously work. So maybe you can Uber, go get Uber Black, go do this and, and maybe take over the payment or something like that. And, and so he says, yeah, dude, oh my God, that would be amazing. I'm upside down. And this thing, and he looks it up and he can make like 70 bucks an hour or something like that. And honestly, it's, it's really nice to finally be on this side of things where I'm helping someone out because I would just wake up so dang scared every single day. Now I can help someone get back on their feet. I mean, he's not paying rent. I mean, he lives with me. Um, he, and, and to kind of subsidize it, he helps out around KMG and he's doing things here and there and he Ubers and all of those things. So, I mean, things start going good, but we, we really rekindle our friendship. We become friends and we're hanging out all the time. We're doing things where, I mean, it's great. I missed him and it was just great to see his sparkle kind of come back, his bounce, his pep to his step. You know what I mean? It was, it was great to see that. And I'm going, oh man, this is what life's about giving. Giving so you can be living. You know, you're not you're not living unless you're giving. I, I, I know it sounds cliche, but it's true. I promise. So anyway, another thing that happens in this time of my life, and this is something that only can happen to me. Some, a lot of people say that I'm part leprechaun. So I get a call one day and it says, bring $9,000 to this storage shed. And I went, um, who is this? I can't tell you. I won't be there, but you need to bring $9,000 to this storage shed. And I'm going, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do that. And he said, there is an auction for a storage shed. You need to get this storage shed, bring $9,000 to this storage shed. And I went, okay, when, when is this? And so it was the middle of the day. I looked it up and they were having an auction. I said, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to try. So I round up $9,000 and I go in there and uh, there's two other people there. And I'm like, uh, you guys, uh, you guys get the call? Hmm? And they're like, uh, what? I said, uh, it's all good. It's all good. I, I didn't know if I was like joining a secret society. I, did, I didn't know what was going on. And so the owner of the storage facility walks out and he says, okay. And apparently there's like something where... It's one price if they open the door. It's another price if they leave the door closed. So he says, how much are you guys willing to bid if I don't open the door? And I just give you the keys or cut the lock or whatever it was. One guy says $1,000. Another guy says $1,500. And I said, well, hell, I'm already here. I go, $9,000. <laughs> 
It's just looking at me like I'm insane. I don't even know what's behind the damn door. And uh, <laughs> it just sounds so crazy. I don't even know what's behind the damn door. So he, uh, I obviously win because they go, all right, well, that's weird. And uh, so they cut the lock. We open it up. There's a freaking 56-channel SSL, which is a million-dollar console. And uh, there's a pair of Genelex in there that are like 300 pounds a piece. They're like $60,000. And there's probably, I don't know, $40,000, $50,000 worth of just amazing guitar amps. And I'm going, all right, well, just go ahead and take this money. I got the Escalade and the trailer, and my cousin was with me. And uh, we grabbed everything. I mean, everything. And I was going, this is awesome. So, I mean, we massively upgraded out of nowhere. We were not expecting that. You know what I mean? So with this big influx of gear, we get to work. I mean, we immediately start using the stuff and and posting about it, and getting really excited to move it and and use it and and just be a part of it. I mean, this is some of some of our dream gear, and we're we're having a great time. I've actually since met the owner who was going, oh man, I was wondering who was going to get that storage shed. And uh and I've become friends with him. It was, it was, it was pretty great. I'm like, Did, are you the one who called me? Like, I'm, he's like, I, I have no idea. And so, um, anyway, that's another story. That's a crazy story how that whole thing happened because we finally did figure it out. But at this time, it's kind of the end of the summer. So Salo goes home and uh we we had completely changed him. He starts he starts saying I love you. He's a great kid. He's getting up. He's working. He's doing all these things. And we he loves music. He reminds me so much of me. And we realized that he couldn't practice the saxophone because he was renting his instrument. So over the summer he couldn't practice because he had to give his instrument back. So I said BS. We went and got him an instrument. We went and got him a, a tenor saxophone. And now he's, I mean, I just went and, and watched him play in his school uh, musical. I mean, I'm so proud of this kid. It's unreal. And um, I bought him an Audible subscription. And I, I, I will only give him allowance if he proves to me that he's read a book and, and we talk about it. And I mean, this kid is going to be a little CEO. I'm telling you, he's, he's a great little kid. I'm trying to help him not make the same mistakes I did. So anyway, he goes home. We're still very close. Everything's, everything's great. Everything's good. I love it. It's good. And, uh, you know, for the first time, it's, there's, there's a little bit of a peace. There's a little bit of a calm, you know? And, you know, fast forward to probably about September. What we do in September is every year we'll go up to Avon for my wife's birthday. I, I'll always take everyone who's kind of gone through hell with me. And so we've got, and, and this time we bring my cousin. And so we're up there and you know what? We'll rent out one of their conference rooms one day and we'll talk a bunch of business or we'll go get in the hot tub or we'll go work out. And we just lounge around and experience one another, live life, have fun. And uh, one of the times I was going, hey, hey, and I was talking to my cousin. I said, hey, can I get that? payment for the Escalade because, I mean, he'd been working a ton. And, and actually, since he had gone and started also working um, as a manager at Red Lobster because he had a ton of experience in the food industry at uh, Olive Garden. And so, I mean, he's working a ton. He's doing all these things. And I think as a joke, I said, hey, man, can I get that? And he, he gives it to me in ones. He gives me a ton of money in ones. So while I'm up there, I was, <laughs> I was playing like I was dumb and dumber. And every time I walk around and I'd like throw out two ones and I'd like give it to the person. I'm tipping everybody <laughs> as I go through this hotel with ones. And I think it's funny. I don't know if they think it's necessarily very funny, but he plays that joke on me. And, and so we're... Uh, we're just, we're having fun. We're living life, right? We're, it's just a great time. And uh, 
we come back and we're rejuvenated. I mean, we're hitting it hard. I mean, pedal to the metal. I mean, we're doing things, signing up more students, getting more clients, making more moves than we ever thought possible. And things are just exploding. And I remember this particular time because it was during a, a Wyoming football game. And uh, my cousin had gone to, he's a big Wyoming football fan. And he goes, uh, takes some time off of work and goes down to, uh, goes down to the, watch this game. And uh, of course, everything's going great. So what, what happens? What has to happen? I get a call. I get a call and it is from Red Lobster. And it was one of his coworkers, and they said, I just want to make sure that he's okay. I want to make sure that he's doing all right. And I said, what happened? Like, I'm thinking, did he get in a car accident? What's going on? Well, we just, he just hadn't really been the same. And, and we know that, we know that his, that his parents died. We know that his mom died. We know that his dad died. And it just doesn't seem like he's doing okay. And I went, Oh my, oh my God, I've got to call my mom. I've got to figure this out. But first, I feel like, I feel like I've got to call him because why didn't he tell me? And I call him, I wait until after the game because I don't want to give him that news in the middle of the game. I, I wait and I call him and there's no answer. So I realize I have to call my mom. I mean, this is her brother. So I call my mom and she, she answers the phone and I say, there's going to be a part 11. Thank you for listening to this episode. You know what? There's just too much stuff and I've got to do it justice. So you know what? We're going we're gonna to go to 11. I feel like that's, that's fitting, right? I mean, musician stuff needs to go to 11. And you know what? This story deserves to be turned all the way up to 11. So, tomorrow, I can actually promise you, we have written everything out that we needed to do, and I got through half of what I needed to tell you. So, again, guys, thank you so much for listening to this crazy story. We're having fun, you're learning, and you know what? I really, really, really appreciate you. This is Greg Kimball. This is now our story. See you tomorrow. <laughs>